0: quick before the kids get out of here uh we have baptismal certificates for jordan kyle come on jordan jordan got baptized and there is that certificate peggy herrera and bubba's not here will you deliver that to bubba praise the lord thank you all right We have, uh, we're going to receive our, uh, that's right, we're going to receive our tithe and offering, and then the kids are going to go. See, I was trying to beat those kids before they got out of here. Let's uh, have our ushers come up, and let's get ready and receive our tithe and our offering and worship the Lord with our giving. Amen. Yeah, somebody's a happy, cheerful giver back there. Praise the Lord. Where's David? David's always, yeah, there. All right, let's pray. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back. Thank Jeff Kyle again for uh, a great message. And Amen. One of these days I, I want to be here and sit in on some of these things instead of being gone. So, But I appreciate uh, the opportunity to get to go to visit Rick and Marty and the Troutman family in Colorado. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time of teaching on Saturday and spent some time with Sunday, just visiting with uh, one couple in particular. And uh, I told uh, several people, I said, man, uh, it was just, it was really neat because there was just such a a hunger for the Lord and for the things of God. And I said, man, for anyone to sit there from 8.30 in the morning till about 4 in the afternoon and listen to me, they had to be pretty hungry. And so uh, it was just a really uh, neat time, neat experience. So thank you for allowing us that opportunity. And I want to thank the Troutmans for their sacrifice. And uh, they, they flew us up there and, and they just felt like that was a seed they wanted to sow. And so that was a huge blessing. Praise the Lord. Let's uh, open our Bibles today to... Where are we going to begin? Why don't you go ahead and and, uh, let's open to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we're talking about spiritual gifts. And we're going to begin here. And today we'll probably look at Romans chapter 12 and we'll also look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now I want to begin by by talking about this word gift um, in the scripture, and there's there's several words for gift, but there's one word primarily that we're going to focus on, and it's it's the word gift in the Greek, and you may be familiar with it, it's called charisma. So you might say, I'm a charismatic. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And that's fine. Um, I really feel like we should resist labels because God hasn't created any of these labels. These are labels that man has created. And I understand that we create labels to help identify who we are, what we believe, and kind of bring some definition. But I, I firmly believe that this word right here, which reveals one Lord and one Christ, and that is the man, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, that really should be the only identity that we have. And I believe, and I I really strongly believe this, and, and I saw it. When I was in Colorado and I see it as I talk with people here, not just here, I mean in this, in this area, you see the spiritual hunger that's there and you see the disillusionment with what the church has become because it's what man has made her. And the scripture never says, man will build the church. Jesus said, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so um, I think we need to be real careful, and this is why I've taken a lot of time, and we're going we're gonna to look in, in depth at some of these things, because if our foundation is not right, then everything else is going to be wrong. doesn't matter how beautiful the building is on top. If the foundation is not right, it's just a matter of time. The building is going to come tumbling down. And I think this is what we are seeing happen Across the land, there's been a lot of foundations laid, but they have not been the right foundation. And the buildings are beginning to crumble, and people are becoming becoming disillusioned, and and the things that man has built, we're now finding out that those things are not going to last. Those things are not going to endure. Sometimes I think we read the Scripture, and we think that there's going to come this day when everything's going to be judged by tried by fire, and and, and I'm not saying that day's not going to come, but just because that day is a reality doesn't mean that along the way there is not going to be a judging and a trying and a testing by fire. And I think we've seen that if we will be honest students of history, and and I love what, what Loretta, I'm sure Loretta didn't coin this, but Loretta always says, you know, what history is, it's his story. And that is the truth. We, we, we can't talk about history and then talk about God because there is no history apart from God because everything that has been, is, and will be is his story. You guys understand that? He is the author. He's the one who has written the story. There, a question came up today in the Bible study, does, does, why doesn't God worry? Well, I'll tell you why God doesn't worry because God wrote the story. He knows everything. He's not waiting to see how it's going to unfold. He wrote the story. He knows exactly how it's going to unfold. And if we trust in him, we can have that peace also because we understand who he is. Amen? Thank you for that amen. So as we talk about these things, we need to really resist the temptation to try to Put in categories and label this and label that. Let's let the Scripture be the Scripture, and let's let the Scripture define, and let, let's let the Scripture reveal His story to us, amen? So this word charisma, remember, it's a word that we're going to primarily focus on because most of the gifts, the gifts as we're going to talk about them, are all defined as gifts, charisma, okay? Okay? Remember, I said this last week, there are some churches that would resist the label of being charismatic, but the reality is if we're truly believers, if we're truly in Christ, we better all be charismatic in that sense because the charisma, the gifts of God are, they are a reality in our life. It's just that we we have come to define and we've come to think of those things in the wrong way or in an incomplete way. Some will embrace some of the gifts and reject others. Others will embrace these these gifts and say, yeah, well, those are fine, but these are more important. When in in reality, God, let's just let God show us what he has revealed to us in his word, and let's accept that and resist what man tries to get us to believe. Let's believe what God has declared, amen? All right, so this word charisma, it's important for us to understand. Remember we said last uh, last time that, that we're going to define our terms, because if we don't define our terms clearly, then we're going to get in trouble. Uh, you can believe Jesus is one thing, but if it's not Jesus as defined in the Scripture, you might be believing in another Jesus. You might be embracing a gospel, but if it's not the gospel declared in the Scripture, just because you use the word gospel or you use the word Jesus doesn't mean it is the gospel and the Jesus. Amen. So it's very important that we clearly define our terms. So this word means a gift of grace because part of the word charis ma, charis is the word for grace. So you see this word for gift in the Bible is by its very structure and definition linked to the grace of God, all right? It's a gift of grace, a gift involving grace on the part of God as the donor or the giver. So who is the giver of the gifts? God is. So the gift is great, but what is better than the gift? The giver is. That's right. That's right. And so, that's an understanding of this word that we need to have. So this word charisma means, it speaks of his free bestowments upon sinners. In other words, for instance, in Romans 6.23, he has bestowed something upon mankind, upon men. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the charisma of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. So you see that gift right there in Romans 6.23 is not talking about whether you speak in tongues or not. Okay? We we have so limited and put in a little bitty tiny box, the box is become microscopic at so little. And God is saying, let's destroy the boxes and let's get back to the eternity and the infinite largeness of my word and and who I am. And so God has bestowed a gift of grace upon us. Where? Through his son. Eternal life in his son. So My point is, this word, gift, is linked, and it cannot be unlinked to the grace of God. It also speaks of, and this is where we're going to go. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. It also speaks of his, this is a word we don't use a lot anymore, his endowments. It's something he has put there. He's placed it there to be used. You know, when I went to the University of Texas, they would always make a big hoopla when some rich guy would give an endowment to the university. You know, uh, Red McComb, I remember when Red McComb, you know, when I went to the University of Texas in 1984, it was the School of Business. Now when you go to the University of Texas, it's the Red McCombs, School of Business. You know why it's now got Red McCombs in front of School of Business? Because Red McCombs gave an endowment to the university. Why did he give that endowment? He gave that endowment to be used for the building up, for the benefit, for the profit of that university. Well, God has given an endowment to his body, to his people, They are what we call the gifts of the Spirit. It speaks of an endowment upon believers by the Spirit's operation in the church. He's given these gifts, all of them, not just the ones we like to focus on, but all of them so that there can be an operation of these gifts in the body. And who is the one facilitating the operation? It is the Holy Spirit. Okay? You understand a hammer is a tool, but unless that tool is in the hand of a carpenter, a hammer's not going to build anything, is it? And I want you to think of yourselves as a vessel, as a tool. You are the vessel that the hand of God is going to utilize to do something wonderful. Amen? Okay, let's begin in Romans chapter 12, and I want to begin at the beginning of the chapter. We're going to focus later on down in verse 6, 7, and 8, but before we get to verse 6, 7, and 8, I think it's, we need to understand in total and in context, at least in the few verses preceding this, what Paul is declaring. And I'm going to encourage you in this again, resist the temptation to read and study Scripture in small chunks, picking out what seems to fit your situation at the time. This is how we come up with doctrines that become heretical and and are off balance and off base because they're they're not within the proper context of what the Spirit is revealing through the Word of God. So let's begin in in, uh, Romans chapter 12, knowing, understanding that Romans chapter 12 is a continuation of a long letter that Paul wrote. Okay, Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, stop and think right there. The whole, uh, the whole idea of presenting your body a living sacrifice to God is totally and completely contrary to what the world would say. Would you agree? That is totally contrary to the world. So... Why is Paul, Paul's not just saying, don't be conformed to the world. He's not just saying, modify your behavior. He's getting them to understand a reality that he's already talked about back in Romans 6. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y, I am holy, I am an acceptable sacrifice. How have I become an acceptable sacrifice? By Jesus Christ. That's how I've become an acceptable sacrifice to God. Wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. Remember what he told them back in, in, in the sixth chapter of Romans? He says, reckon yourself dead. He said, sin has no power over a dead man. You guys are dead. If you've been baptized with Christ, then you've been baptized into his death. And if you've been baptized into his death, you've been raised in his resurrection. Therefore, he says, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. He's really continuing this thought. He's emphasizing, present your bodies, present this flesh that has been crucified with Christ, present it to God, a living sacrifice. It's it's alive in Christ. Present it to him, because reckon yourself dead. There's nothing of this flesh, there's nothing of this old nature, that is that is of a profit to you. Present it to God. That is your reasonable act of worship. And in doing that, we will inherently not be conformed to the world because that act of presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice is contrary to. The way and the thinking of the world and the world system and that old nature and that old creation that was crucified with Christ. So don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's not just good enough that we, he says this in Colossians, you know, he says there's really no, there's nothing about creating hardship for your flesh and denying yourself certain things, don't eat, don't taste. He said, those things really have no impact in dealing with the reality. It It looks real religious, it looks real spiritual, but it really has no real power to do anything. What, What has happened that has, in true power, brought about the reality of a transformation well it was the work of Jesus on the cross it was his work on the cross and paul says when you when you identify with that when you're crucified with him when you reckon yourself crucified with christ and you realize it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me he said that that's power because that's the gospel if you've been crucified with him and raised with him that's power right there you have been transformed now Renew your mind to that reality. Come in agreement in your mind with what has truly transpired through the work of Christ on the cross and what you have entered into by grace through faith. Let your mind be renewed to that reality. And in the renewing of your mind, not only am I not going to be conformed to this world, not only am I going to not have a problem presenting myself to God, But but in that process of my mind being renewed, I'm going to prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. And ultimately, what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God is this. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not I'm going to prove it because I'm going to do a bunch of spiritual things. It's not I'm going to prove it because I'm going to work really hard for the church and for the kingdom. That's not how I'm going to prove it. Those things may happen, and if those things happen out of the life of the Spirit in you, that's fine. But if you think you're just going to go now do a bunch of quote-unquote spiritual things for God and prove what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will, we've missed the whole point. We're back to the works of the flesh, and we're trying to prove the will of God through the works of the flesh. And God says, you're not going to prove anything of me through the works of your flesh because the works of your flesh profit nothing. Who said that? Well, Jesus said that in John six sixty three. He said, there, the works of the flesh profit nothing. Paul said, there is nothing good in my flesh. So we got to resist this temptation to think that somehow through the works of my flesh, I'm going to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect in God. No, the only thing that I can prove good, perfect, and acceptable in the will of God is to prove the reality of God. Of the life of Christ as I allow that life to manifest through me. Because I'm a vessel. I'm the ground. How do we know there's a corn crop growing in the ground? Well, you look at the ground and you see the corn growing there. How do I know Jesus is living in me? Because the life of Christ in me should be manifest out of me, through me. Who's going to do that? Does the ground make the corn grow? No. God makes the corn grow. The ground is just the vessel that holds the corn and, and gives it a, an ability to express itself and be manifest. So this is the reality. Christ in me is going to be manifest through me by the power of the Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm kind of going a long way around here, but I want you to understand. See, we just all want to jump to a bunch of gifts, and we just want to have a big shandai Shondai party and and get goosebumps and, and wiggle around and call it good after a couple of hours and say, oh, the Spirit moved. Well, maybe the Spirit moved or maybe the Spirit didn't move. Maybe I moved more than the Spirit moved. And if I'm defining the reality of what God is revealing to us in His Word here by, by a, an experience, whether it lasts 30 minutes or 30 hours, again, I've missed the point. Because what God is talking about is is something that abides with me, in me, through me. Not just when we come together on a Sunday or a Saturday or a Friday or a Wednesday, but but this is the reality of the the, the life of the Spirit, living and operating in me eternally, always. Amen? And, And I don't do it. I'm the vessel it's going to be done through by the grace of God, but I don't control it. And when I say that, I don't get to decide what gift I get, when I get to operate in it. I don't get to decide that. How do you know that, Pastor Jeff? Because that's what the Bible says. So I'm going to believe what the Bible says. All right, are you with me now? We're still in Romans chapter 12. All right. so don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And through that transformation, we're going to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That Christ crucified for us on that cross, buried for us in that tomb, raised for us on the third day, that now gives us the hope of glory, Christ in me. That was a good and a perfect plan of God. Didn't look too good and perfect, I bet you, to those disciples standing at the foot of the cross, Seeing there, Jesus bled, bled out, literally bled out there on the cross. They they couldn't find much good there. It didn't look very good. But unbeknownst to them at that time, that was the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Because through that work on the cross, through that horrendous spectacle that Christ was on that cross, he has brought about what? He's brought about everything. He's brought about a new creation. He's brought about life out of death. He's brought light out of darkness. He, I mean, he has is, he is totally turned. This is why they said, those who have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Listen, Christ turned the world on its head at the cross. Everything he did was contrary to what the, what the world knew and what the world thought. And it still is today. And this is why... Paul says, don't be conformed to the world because everything that is Christ is contrary to the world. And so now he says, for I say. He's he's leading up to something here that's very important for us to to grasp. So he says, don't be conformed. Present your bodies. Don't be conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In doing that, you're going to prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. For I say... How did Paul say what he is saying here? For I say, what? Through the grace of God. Now, there is more to the statement that Paul is, when Paul says, for I say through the grace of God, he's not just saying, oh, by the grace of God. You know, well, I almost got hit by that car, but by the grace of God. Well, that's true. By the grace of God, you didn't get hit by the car. But, but Paul's not just he has a very, very specific purpose, and we're going to see this later on. Let's just, let's just go on, and, and I'll make my point as we go farther down here. For I say, through the grace of God given to me, who, did, who, was, who gave Paul the grace through which he was able to say these things? God gave him the grace to say these things. For I say through the grace of God given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. As we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts, there's that word again, charisma. Having then charisma or gifts differing according to what? According to the grace of God. Now, when, when Paul makes that statement right there, according to the grace of God, it's a direct reference back to what he just got through telling them up there in verse 3. For I say, comma, through the grace of God, given to me. For I say to everyone, but I want everyone to understand that what I'm saying, I say it through the grace of God given to me. If we go back to the very beginning of Romans and just hold your place in Romans chapter twelve. Let's go to Romans chapter one. Paul has never been to Rome when he writes this letter. He wants to go really bad. And he's been trying to go really bad. But it just hasn't worked out. But that's okay. Paul understands the reason it hasn't worked out is because it wasn't God's will yet for him to go. But Paul knew he would go. He, he knew it would just be a matter of time. And this is what Paul is conveying at the beginning of his letter here. But let's look at this. Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, a bondservant. Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God now Paul is Paul is making a declaration about who he is he's not bragging here he's just very simply stating I'm writing these things to you in the authority that's been given to me by God I am called, not by man. Unlike today, you go to a minister's conference today, and nine out of ten of the people you encounter will have apostle or bishop or something on their shirt. Now, I just wonder how many of them can say what Paul says, that they were called, they are a called apostle by God. I can call myself anything I want to call myself, but that doesn't mean God's called me that. That's important for us to understand, church, just because they're on TV and they wear the label. If I had enough money, I could get on TV right now and I could say anything I wanted to say. And if I could get enough people to believe in me and give me enough money, I could get on TV and I could create any doctrine I want to create and call myself anything I want to call myself. Let's, I suggest that we stay with the callings that God has issued and distributed. And in time, the fiery trial and the testing will determine whether it's wood, hay, or stubble, or whether it's gold, silver, and precious stone. And that'll be determined long before Christ sets foot on this earth, I believe. He's trying. He's trying things right now. Things... Have been, are, and will continue to be shaken. And God's going to shake loose the things that that need to be shook loose. And that's his grace. And that's that's good news for us. All right, so he says, He says, man, I am called an apostle. I am separated. By who? By God. Verse 5, chapter 1. Through him... Through the Lord, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations. He said, I received my calling in this grace that was given to me to be an apostle and to declare this gospel. This grace came from God himself, the Lord, the Lord of all. So when we get to chapter 12, And Paul makes this statement, for I say through the grace given to me, he is affirming again his calling, his separation, his apostleship that he didn't choose but God chose for him by grace and separated him for the purpose of the gospel. So Paul is saying, I am telling you guys these things by the grace that's been given to me by God. And that grace gives me the authority, gives me the gift. I am, my gift is an apostle, among other things, but, but that was his authority as an apostle to declare this gospel. And not only to declare, if, if you read in chapter 1, what the Old Testament scriptures declared, but he says, I ha- also have authority to declare to you Not only what those Old Testament scriptures declare, but I have the authority to declare and make known to you what was witnessed and what took place in reality when God, by his spirit, raised his son from the dead. And it was that resurrection from the dead that God proved that Jesus Christ was exactly who the scriptures declared him to be. And so Paul says, God has given me the authority to declare these things. And to reveal them to you in a way that otherwise couldn't be revealed. How was Paul able to do that? By the grace of God. By the gift that the Spirit operated through him. Worked through him. Okay, so I know I'm going really slow here, but I'm, I'm doing this on purpose because I think it's really important. So you need to come back next week and we're going to go through this. And hopefully we'll have a much better understanding of what the scripture is declaring about the gifts that God has given to us. All right, we're back in Romans chapter 12. So he says, I say these things by the grace that God has given to me. You shouldn't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but you should think soberly. And thinking soberly, I can only do as I understand what? That God has given to each one a measure of faith. Now, he's not talking about faith for salvation there. He's talking to the body about how to function in and operate in the body. God gave to Paul a measure of faith for him to be the called out apostle separated under the work of the gospel. There was a measure of faith that God, in his grace, gave to Paul to be able to walk in that. And and God didn't give the same measure of grace to Paul that that he gave maybe to Timothy or to me. God hasn't given me the same measure of grace that he gave the Apostle Paul. I'll never be the Apostle Paul, you understand that? I'm never going to write scripture. I'm never going to do necessarily the things that the Apostle Paul did. Why? Because I'm not meant to, because I'm not Paul. God gave a measure of grace to Paul that was specific to Paul. And I'll tell you right now, there is no one on earth today that has that same measure of faith that Paul did. Why? Because there are no more apostles writing Scripture today. There are none. I didn't say there were not people that had apostolic callings in the sense that we can establish churches, oversee works. that That's fine. But do you understand that Paul had a calling upon his life as an apostle called out by Jesus Christ that that doesn't exist today? If that's the truth, then that Bible ought to be a lot more than than the books that we have in it. This is why we have what's called the canon of Scripture, the Bible. And we accept this to be the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Because the the men that Jesus himself separated out to write that scripture, to reveal what was in the Old Testament scriptures, revealed in the New Testament, to make a complete revelation in written form, as complete as God's going to allow it to be right now, of Jesus Christ. Do you know your revelation of Jesus Christ cannot, must never go outside the bounds of this book right here. If it does, what you're saying is, God's given you a revelation that trumps scripture. And that cannot be. Now I didn't say God is more than what's revealed in the pages of these books that we put together to call a Bible. Obviously he's the infinite God of the universe. He's much bigger than the See, how many pages does my Bible have in it? Well, approximately 2,000 pages. God's much bigger than the 2,000 pages that make up my holy Bible here. We would all agree on that, right? But God has chosen in His sovereignty to not give us a revelation that, that is going to go outside of what is declared here. If if I came to you this morning, I said, oh, I had a dream last night, and I know it's from God. God is 20 feet tall, he's purple, he's got three heads, and each head represents Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He's purple because purple represents royalty. How how do you know that's true, Pastor? Well, because I had a dream, and and, and, and it's from God. And the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. Well, I know, but I'm telling you, God revealed it to me. And it's the truth. We're going to take our pictures of Jesus down. And we're going to replace him with a guy that's got three heads and he's all purple. Why, why don't we do that? I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Why don't we do that? See, if, if I ever come to you saying something like that, you better run away from me as fast as you possibly can. Because God, by his Holy Spirit, will never give me a revelation that's going to contradict or go outside what he has revealed in this word right here. Now, I'm not saying we understand everything in this word because we don't. And that's why God has given us his spirit. But also, in saying that, I promise you, God will never reveal something to you that will contradict this. It's not going to happen. So, Paul is saying, I've got the authority to say these things to you. Don't think more highly. Each one of you has been given a measure of faith. We're many members, but we're part of one body. And so, we are to function in accordance with who we are and where we've been placed. This word here, so... Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function or the same office. I, by the grace of God, I'm a pastor. And I'm going to tell you, it's only by the grace of God. You, you can believe that to whatever degree you want, but I know who I was growing up, and I know that in my mind and my heart, I never, ever, ever in the remotest reaches of my heart, had a dream or an aspiration to be a pastor. But when God saved me, God revealed himself to me. And my thoughts and my plans and my purposes, by the grace of God, began to be really before then. I just didn't realize it. Do you understand that? God knew what I was going to be before I ever was born. God knows everything about you long before you ever came into this world. And it was the grace of God that, that brought, I'm just using myself as an example, that brought me to the place of where I am. And God in his grace gave me this vocation or this calling or this office. It, it's, it's the gift of God. It's not something I chose. You have come to where you are in Christ by the grace of God. You have a function in the body. You might not have a label that says pastor, but that doesn't make you less gifted, if I can use that term. The same Holy Spirit that's in me, Pastor Jeff, is in you, not pastor, whoever you are. (laughs) Put your name there. So I, I don't have more of the Holy Spirit than you do because I'm a pastor and you're not. Paul didn't have more of the Holy Spirit than than I do because he's the Apostle Paul and wrote most of the New Testament. But I'll tell you this, what the Scripture does declare is God did in his grace give Paul a measure of faith that he has not given me. And faith is, I'm not talking about faith in the sense of of just in my mind how I think or how I believe, whether I have doubt, well, I I must not have a very big measure of faith because I still have some doubt in my mind. That's not what this is talking about. This, remember, this word charisma, it's linked to grace. It's a gift of grace. Paul's apostleship was a gift of grace. And God bestowed that gift on him and God bestowed it in a measure that God decided for the apostle Paul. This is why Paul is writing what he's writing here. When we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll see that this is what Paul is is talking about when he begins to talk about the body. So, this is why he says, exactly why he says, I'm telling you guys these things through the grace that's been given to me, through the authority that, that I've been given by Jesus Christ himself to be an apostle and to make these things known to you. And I am telling you, in that authority, by that grace, that you should not think more highly of yourself than you should, but that you should think soberly. You should think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't compare yourselves to me because I'm the Apostle Paul. That is the measure of faith God has given to me and that is the charisma, the gift that he's, by grace, bestowed upon my life. But that doesn't mean God loves me more than he loves you. That doesn't mean I have a reason to be puffed up above you or to think more highly of myself than I should. Because this gift that God has given me, this calling, this authority to make known the gospel, this came from God. Paul says, It's not my doing, this is God's doing. This is why Paul later on says in his letters, he says, we don't have any, only thing I have to boast in, the only thing any of us have to boast in is what? It's the cross of Christ, that's it. Because Paul received his apostleship because of the finished work of Christ on that cross. And Paul said, I I don't have any reason to be puffed up. Guys, you don't have any reason to think more highly of yourselves than you should, but you should think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Faith. Let's go on. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members don't have the same function, just because you don't have the same function, just because you don't have the same manifestation or the same gift as, as, as brother A over here versus brother C over here, don't think more highly of yourself. God is the one who dealt that measure of faith out. God is the one who put that function in your life, God is the one who put you in that office, who put you in that function. So it's not your place to think more highly. You should think soberly as God was the one who dealt that measure of faith out to you. Do you guys understand what, what Paul is telling them? And, and if you read between the lines, we begin to, to maybe get an understanding of what's taking place in the body. Maybe not to the degree that it was in Corinth where they were just out of control. But Paul is making sure... Because what's he want to do? He wants to come and impart a spiritual gift to them. He wants to encourage them in their giftedness, in the the reality of Christ in them, the operation of the Holy Spirit. But he also wants them to do it with the right attitude, understanding that you didn't do this, God did this. This is a gift of grace. So we being many are one body. In where? We're one body where? Not in Rome, not in Corinth, not in Taylor. We're one body in Christ. So... We all come under the same headship, and that headship is Christ. We have no reason to boast, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ Fellowship, I'm of, Uh -uh. uh-uh. We are one in Christ. We come under that one head, and that one headship, and that one authority. So he says, look, so being many, we are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. You see how Paul is linking them. He's painting this picture that is, that is just so important for us to, to, to get. He's put them in one body under the headship of Christ. If, if, if they're in one body under Christ, they have one life, and that life is Christ. They don't have individual lives. They have one life. Christ is their life. They have one head, Christ is their head. They have one body. They're many members, but they're one body. They're connected together. They're in unity. But he says, you are individually members of one another. In other words, yes, you guys are one in Christ, under one head, in one body, but that doesn't deny the reality that you are members individually of each other. In other words, you guys still need one another. There has still got to be a flow of life between you. There's got to be this unity and this harmony. You've got to get the understanding, get your mind renewed to this reality. This is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God that God would create in himself one new man, Ephesians 2. And he says, you guys, prove that perfect, good, and acceptable will of God by becoming an expression of that one New man. And, and you do that because every individual member of my body is a member of one another. My finger is a member of my hand. My hand is a member of my wrist. My wrist is a member of my arm. And vice versa. So the, the lie it's all interconnected. Paul is saying, you guys understand the reality of your life in Christ. You are under Christ, but you are members of one another. So function that way. Now we come to verse 6. Well, we didn't get very far today, did we? That's okay. Having then, do you, see the, do you see the thought he's building on here? Having then gifts, guess what word that is? Charisma. Having then charisma, differing according to the grace that is given to us. You see that phrase again? I say these things according to the grace that is given to me. You are members of the body, of one body, yet you are members individually, having then gifts, differing, just like my, my hand has a different function than my foot does, than my ear does, than my eye does, right? But it's all part of the body, and it all functions together. My hand does not function nearly as well if I don't have eyes. Just take take 10 minutes of your life this afternoon and blindfold yourself and walk around with your eyes closed and see if you can function as well without eyes. Your hand really needs your eyes. It actually needs all of your body. This, This is a picture of us. We don't all have the same function. We Having then gifts differing according to what? According to the grace That is given to us. God has given us the grace to be a hand, to be a foot, to be an ear, to be an eye. Who gave me the grace? God did. The gift cannot be separated from the grace. That's why the word is charisma. It's linked to the grace. Having then charisma differing according to the grace that is given to us. Paul says, just like by grace I was called out to be an apostle and make these things known to you, by grace God has given you this gift, this function, this office. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. You notice that's in italics, but it's a correct thought. God has given us the gifts, obviously, that they will be used. Let us use them. If prophecy, so prophecy is a charisma. It's a gift of grace. If prophecy, what's he say? Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. I'm going to have to stop here, but I want, I want to say this about that last phrase, in proportion to to your faith. There is a sense, I want you to hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. And, 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 and I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Because I think there's a dual truth here. We, if prophecy, if I have been given the charisma of prophecy, and, and please understand, prophecy is not all about predicting the future. Do you guys get that? It is declaring. The Word of God, there is an office of a prophet, and there is the gift of prophecy today, but it will never be the same. It cannot be the same as what we saw in the Old Testament. Otherwise, we are declaring Scripture and still writing Scripture today, and that's not possible according to the Word of God. But now I can take the Word that has been revealed by the prophets And the apostles who do not exist anymore today, whether I'm a guy overseeing numbers of churches and I want to call myself an apostle in that sense, that's fine. Or if I am a prophet or have the gift of prophecy, I believe that gift is still in operation today. But what I can reveal in terms of the Word of God can never go beyond this Word right here. There's the difference. There are not prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah and Elijah writing Scripture today, saying words from their mouth that will become the canon of Scripture. I can reveal, I can utter words that will reveal what's already been revealed, bring enlightenment to what's already been enlightened, if I can say that. You understand what I'm saying? But I can't go beyond this. There's never going to be the book of Jeff. Ain't going to happen. I call myself a prophet and apostle all day long. I can, I can say that I've got the double portion of Elijah and Elijah and Ezekiel, and I, I can say I've got the anointing of all of them. Well, if I've got their anointing, then I ought to be writing some Bible. Uh-uh, ain't going to happen. Because that prophetic gift does not exist anymore. It has ceased to exist. Thus we have the completed Word of God right here. But now, I can prophetically declare what this Word declares by the Spirit of God. And I can declare it to you in such a way that that God can operate through this vessel to speak to you. But it better line up with this. And I think, I firmly believe this, we should be very careful before we say, thus Saith the Lord. Matter of fact, I've just made it a point that I don't even say that. I'll say, you know what, bro? I just have this impression, and maybe it's God, and maybe it's not. It could just be, you know, the coffee I drank this morning. But but here here it is. You know, you you pray about it. You you take it to prayer. You know, uh, I could say that I, I feel like God is wanting to say this to you. I'm not saying, I I believe God uses the body to speak to one another. But he's never going to do it outside the purview of Scripture. And so this is what it means. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Here's my point. I will never speak in a sense with the authority that the Apostle Paul did. That is not the measure of faith God has given me. That doesn't mean... I, I believe God, I believe in God less than the Apostle Paul. Do you guys understand? We use the word faith to we we, we limit really we, we need to understand what Paul is saying here. It doesn't mean that Paul believed in God more than I believe in God. But but I'm telling you what, God gave Paul a measure of faith for him to walk in an apostolic and prophetic calling that, that I will never have. Why? Not because I'm less than or God loves me less than. Just simply because that is the gift of grace and the measure of faith God gave Paul the apostle. And I have the gift of grace and the measure of faith that God has given to Jeff Ripple, the pastor of Christ Fellowship Church. It doesn't make me less valuable in the kingdom. It doesn't make me, it's, it's not about that. This is why Paul goes on. He says, Don't, it's unwise for you guys to compare yourselves to one another. Because you're not the one determining the measure of faith you're walking in. Now, does that mean, does that mean that that Paul didn't grow in his knowledge of Christ and and God didn't bring him up into yeah, Paul, I believe God did. Spent three years in the desert, God grew the apostle Paul. This is why Paul says to the Philippians, I have it's not that I have attained, I haven't attained. I'm still pressing on. It's a continuing revelation. So this isn't about, there is a measure of faith for our gifting that God gives us. And we're to walk and we're to operate in that in proportion to our faith. I can sit here all day long. When the devil came to Jesus, here's an example. And it's not just because Jesus is the Son of God. When the devil came to Jesus and he says, I know you're hungry. See these rocks? You could turn those rocks into bread. I believe Jesus literally could have turned those rocks into bread. You know why? Because that was, now what did Jesus say? I don't do anything I don't see my father do. I don't say anything I don't hear my father say. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't do it. I'm telling you what, Jesus had a measure of faith that would have allowed him he, he had the power to turn rocks into bread. But I'm going to tell you right now, you, you can bring a pile of rocks here, and I'll let every one of us try it. We can speak to those rocks until we're blue in the face. And we can read our Bibles and say we're growing in faith, we're growing in faith. We'll never turn those rocks into bread. It's never going to happen. You know why? Because God hasn't given us the measure of faith to turn rocks into bread. And I'm not going to read and study my Bible and pray in tongues and and do all these spiritual-sounding things, grow in faith, and then turn the rocks into bread. It's not going to happen. Because turning the rocks into bread is not up to me. It's up to God. If God wants to give me the measure of faith to turn rocks into bread, then God can do that. I just don't think he's going to. And if God has given me the measure of faith to turn rocks into bread, I'm not going to have to turn blue in the face to get the rocks to become bread. I'll speak to the rock and it will become bread. Because it's not about how hard I try. It's about the power of God and the measure of faith and the grace of God that's operating in my life. Do you guys understand this? If I just would have had more faith and prayed for my loved one, I believe they would not have died. Well, you've just become the one who is handing out the grace and the faith and the power to heal. No, you don't do that. If God's giving you the measure of faith, if he's giving you the gift of healing, then walk in it. If he's operating, if that's operating in your life, then operate in it. But it's not going to be you operating in it. It's going to be the Spirit of God, by his grace, manifesting through you, the vessel. The hammer drives the nail because someone picks it up and they, with the life that's in that arm and that's in that body, they drive the nail through the wood. That is the life of the Spirit. If God, this is, if you have prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. That doesn't mean, I think I have the gift of prophecy, but but I think I need to get more faith before I try to operate in it because I just don't have very much faith. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. You got the gift? No, you have the gift. But But also understand this. The measure of faith that's been dealt out to you is not determined by you. It's determined by God. The ability to operate in that gift doesn't come from you. It comes from God. Amen? So if you have, I'll just leave it right there because I'm 10 after and I don't want to go. on. You guys understand that? You're going to have to come back next week to get more clarification if, 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 if I'm blowing your minds and you're wondering what in the world is this guy talking about. Amen? So come back next week, and we're going to continue our discussion. All right? Let's all stand. Say, Pastor Jeff, you're just not very inspiring and motivating. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be inspiring and motivating. I'm just trying to bring an understanding and a revelation of the Word of God and the truth of God. So that we have the proper foundation so that God, by His grace, will work through His body. And the body will understand their gift, their function, their office, whatever. doesn't come from them, it comes from God. And, and, and we should rest in that. We should rest in that truth and that reality. It's not a struggle. The branch isn't out there struggling really hard to produce the peaches or the apples or the grapes. It's just resting in the life of the vine. But there is a work taking place. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we just pray that, Lord, even as we are just going very methodically through these scriptures. Lord, I pray that as we meditate on the word, as we... Lord, even as David did, lay in our bed at night and just meditate on the things that have been revealed through the Word of God, that, Lord, by your Spirit, you would begin to bring revelation, that you would begin to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Lord, that we would begin to see more and more clearly the gift of grace, the work of grace, the power of your Spirit, Lord, that is resident in our life because we are in Christ. Father, help us to resist the temptation to try to grasp these things with our carnal mind because they can't be grasped by that. Help us, Lord, to discern spiritually and to look to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to look to the power of the Spirit, Lord, to reveal... And make known to us the things of Christ. Father, we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, uh, maybe you're sick in your body or there's something going on in your life, you just need agreement uh, concerning, please come. We want to pray. We want to agree with you. If you're here and you've never met Jesus Christ and you want to talk about coming into a relationship with Christ, Then let's talk.